in 2013, I coined the name Grampian, and I gave it to your host, Jim Tracy. Well, folks, I want to welcome you all back to the Grampian and wish you, for starters, a Merry, Merry Christmas. This is like... Uh, I, it's, I would love to say it's like my favorite holiday. I don't know that it is. I really like Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, there's way less pressure and less busyness and things like that. But um, I've entitled this pod today, Christmas is Critical. And I want you to know why. And so I brought in, and, and you know, as you know, this is Grandpa Chats with Champions. So I brought in one of my champions to uh, chat with us. And uh, I want to introduce him. We talk about, as, as the audience is aware, David, we talk about people and why and how they are um, engaged and ingrained and why they're a champion. So uh, I want to talk about you first. I know that probably make you a little uncomfortable, but I don't really yeah. care. So yeah. let's chat about you. Welcome, David Axe, to the Grampian. It is an honor to be here. Super, super excited when I saw the invite. So uh, just tr- truly thankful. This is neat. Sweet deal. So uh, for those of you that don't know, I mean, a lot of folks that know me know that I deal with the younger generations on a very regular basis. And most of my protégés and uh, most of the people who I hang out with are like 40. Now they're not like, <laughs> of course, they're not that many older than me. So, um, but you're one of those and we've got a lot in common. I mean, you're a construction guy. When I look at you, I say, oh, that dude, he's a construction guy, and I'm a construction guy. I came up as a welder. You came up as a... Yeah, we were building track houses back uh early 2000s. Yeah, you were framing houses, right? Like driving nails and tipping yeah, out the walls garage doors. and we had a, trusses. Yep, we had uh, <laughs> worked for a company that did a lot of the secondary stuff. So once the walls were up, whether it was rain gutters or insulation or garage doors, all that kind of stuff. All right. So you're building stuff. That's cool. I like people who build stuff. They're they're the salt of the earth in a lot of ways. So uh, what, what else do we have in common? Yep. Yep. Oh, gosh. I mean, yeah. I think there's there's a lot. Fueled by caffeine. Fueled Cat- by caffeine. I mean, I have no, I know nobody else who is fueled by caffeine more than you and I. So no, I uh, agreed. Um, family man? 100%. Um, yeah, I've been 100%. married. My wife. So, my wife's the second best thing in my life next to Christ. Um, she is <laughs> by far my better half. And then we've got four kids and yeah. uh, been able to even foster kids along the way. And just uh, there's nothing more near and dear to my heart than family, for sure. Right on, right on. So um, we've got that in common, too. We both married way above our pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> if you get a chance, anyone listening All right. who's young and so, married. Yep. Yeah, yeah anyone, choose anyone. well, young Jedi. Choose well. <laughs> it is All right. So, um, yeah, what I didn't, what I didn't let everybody know yet is that is that one of the one of the things that is attractive um, about hanging out with you to me is that you are a gifted leader. And uh, leaders in my world uh, are first servants and first uh, making sure that the people who are in their charge are well taken care of. So, dude, I salute you for that. That's a, I mean, I so resonate with even what you just said. Um, appreciate that very, very much. Uh, it's funny. I think a lot of people striving to lead well don't even see themselves necessarily as leaders. 
because it is a servant's thing. You're, you're trying to give people direction and instruction and lift them up, um, right? As we just commit to being the servants of all. And that's it. Even It's funny you said that even yesterday was meeting with, there's three guys I uh, get together with every other week. And we talk about some leadership principles, especially within kind of the dynamics that we operate in and talked about there's a grand difference between concepts and convictions, right? Concepts, anyone can sit around a table and sound smart. Convictions are what cause you to do the uncomfortable thing or to do the unpopular thing as a leader. And so um, you got to move yeah. past the concepts and into having convictions about things. So, yep, leader, leadership is yeah. so rare to find these days. Yeah. And just do the right thing. People don't understand that if you just do the right thing, everything will be okay. And then if you don't know what the right thing is, do the best right thing. <laughs> and and then, I mean, if you don't know what the best thing is still, go ask somebody, ask somebody who's been down that road before. It's pretty, it's, it's actually pretty easy. <laughs> it's so funny. You said that even back like the early construction days, any promotions and raises and increase and in benefits I saw were because I showed up five minutes earlier than everybody else. And I stayed until my work was done. Like, that's it. That, that's literally it. Yeah. But that yeah. made you outshine 90% <laughs> of the population. Yeah. Showing up is 10% of the battle. Showing up early is the, another 90% of the battle. There you go. <laughs> All right. So what people don't know is that you, at 41 years old, are my pastor. You are the yep. pastor of Calvary Chapel Star, and there is a really cool story there. So tell me, uh, how, how, when did when did Calvary? I was there the first Sunday, so I know. But tell the folks when it started. Yeah, um, our first service, or when we actually officially had church on a Sunday, uh, was June twelfth, two thousand and twenty-two. So not not that long ago, really. Um, got together on a rainy day, unexpectedly. 18 months and seven, 18 yeah. months and 17 days or something like that. <laughs> that's right. We just had our one and a half Oh, that's year. not very old, man. It, no. It's a baby. It's a it baby. Is, it's a big baby. <laughs> um, but it's it is. It's a big baby. Okay. So it's 18 months old. How big a baby is it? How many people are going on a Sunday? So on an average Sunday, when you look out over the crowd how big yep. is the crowd yeah um that's funny it's so even we're talking about this because our our expectation was at this point hoping to have you know 150 people would be amazing um and the lord has just done something so different and at this point sunday's average adult attendance is like 1500 spread out between three services <laughs> um but yeah by the end of sunday 1500 adults about 250 kids uh, on top of that so just a wild, wild God story, wow. really. Pastor David, what you just said is that there's, if you include the children, about 1,750 people coming on an average Sunday across three services. Are you sure you got yep. that math right? Because that sounds outlandish. Uh, it's Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And I even... I've been in the church world for a long time, and I know uh, churches uh -huh. like to elaborate on numbers, and so I always make them smaller than they are. That um, so sounds yeah. crazy, but that's that's uh, right about where we that's are. That's because it is crazy, man. It, it is, is crazy. <laughs> and, uh, and there's a lot of projects going on. We really, I mean, we are the little church that, uh, that could um, because we didn't know any better and because God took 
people who weren't qualified and said, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make the foolish look wise and the wise look foolish. And, uh, and, and as happened, we've been on the state Capitol steps. We've been on Fox news. We've, we, we are in Idaho, the, like the proving ground for, um, a revolution of sorts. I think that's very good insight and an accurate way of putting it. Um, you know, there's a danger of being able to fall asleep here, so to say, because it is a beautiful place and people are kind, but behind closed doors and under the surface, there is a battle going on. Uh, there's no doubt. And so uh -huh. we have found ourselves unexpectedly. Yeah, absolutely. Engaging our culture, uh, standing for righteousness and seeing not just one or two people, but the body of Christ, the church doing that. I think that's one of my favorite things is this isn't two or three guys yeah. with an idea. This is God stirring up his people. <laughs> so, um, um, and that's part of the reason we're here in this cultural battle. Uh, I call this thing Christmas is critical. And Christmas, frankly, is critical. And it's critical for a lot of reasons. But I mean, you have to look at it. So from a historical perspective, the entire world is ready to celebrate Christmas. And most of them don't know why, but you add to that, add to that, uh, Santa Claus and uh, Rudolph and, and all the, all the stuff that, that everybody thinks Christmas is about. Um, they could use some understanding about why Christmas is critical. And so we have David Axe. Hey buddy, um, <laughs> you're going to get the quiz now. Uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> and, uh, so without a doubt, uh, without a doubt, Christmas is the most written about, the most talked about, the most planned for, the most traveled to, and the most expensive birthday party, birthday celebration in the history of the world. Very um, accurate. Why? <laughs> That's a great question. And sometimes I wonder if people even know that. I mean, it's hard to miss if you just look a little bit. But who... Yeah. Who in this world, I, I will be forgotten in two to maybe three generations, right? My great grandkids won't remember my yeah. name. Maybe a story if I'm lucky. Right. Uh, yeah. But, but how is it that at a point in history where there were no podcasts, there was no internet, there was no social media, there was no newspaper, uh, there was no way other than word of mouth that someone who only lived for 33 years completely revolutionized the globe. Right. Something had to happen. This is way more than a fun time of the year. It's it's way infinitely. And I use that word on purpose, infinitely more yeah. than some hot chocolate and candy canes. Uh, it it the, that first Christmas revolutionized eternity. Yeah. And 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 as you look back at this from a historical perspective, it's the most recorded event other than a crucifixion that happened really close to there. This is the most recorded event. It is the most, uh, it's written about more than any other event. There are more songs about it than any other event. And this is a, uh, I mean, I remember my mom looking across the table and go, were you born in a barn? <laughs> it's kind of demeaning, but actually, no, but I know a guy who was born in a barn. <laughs> you would have been in that's good company. That's what we're talking sure. about. A guy yes, born in a barn. Right. That's yeah. right. So as we look back at the historical facts about Christmas, I, I look back and I'm, I, I was at a, 
I was at a children's Christmas program last night and they said something and I did a little bit of looking up on it, but um, the first words to Zacchaeus and Zacchaeus was the father of John the Baptist who was born, I don't know, three to six months before Christ was born. And, and by the first words to Zacchaeus were, do not be afraid. And then um, you got this little peasant girl who is highly favored, obviously, but she's a peasant girl. She's like, I mean, if she was in the U.S., she would have been on food stamps. I mean, if she's a peasant girl. And uh, the first words to Mary, rejoice, highly favored one, dot, dot, highly, dot, 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 yes. dot, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. So Zacchaeus, do not be afraid. Mary, do not be afraid. And then the first words to her husband. Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. What were they scared of? Well, I mean, there's a there's a lot of things going on in their lives in that moment, right? And one of them is just that life was about to be out of their control. And not only that, but in that moment, who was saying don't be afraid, right? There's this angelic revelation and message being given to them. And I, I think it's funny, you see all these like little cute chubby baby angels in the Hallmark world. Uh, but when angels show up in the Bible, people fall to the ground as if they're dead. I mean, just pure panic. Yeah. And so they have to usually resuscitate yeah. people with, don't fear, I'm here on a good mission. <laughs> I have a good message. Hey, hey, hang on. Yep, yep. Pretty, pretty yeah. incredible. And Gabriel was the deliverer of all three of those messages, as far as I know. And uh, he was like the announcer of... of uh, the, the announcer for God, right? But this is a, this is a, he doesn't need doors, but yet he's a physical presence. Obviously, when people are afraid, they're probably afraid because number one, he may not have used the door. Number two, <laughs> when, when he came in, this is a physically imposing thing, person being in front of them, and they've never seen anything like it. How does yeah. that get recorded? Because it sounds like if it happened today, it would go under the fiction category. Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny. You you see things happening today that in a new way, people are believing things that seem outlandish. And back then it, it was firsthand testimony, firsthand witness. And what's interesting is this wasn't just being made up by an individual. You have different people living at the same time getting a similar message that resounds with Old Testament prophecy. And I know we're accelerating yeah. really quickly in the conversation here, but um, these angels or an angel right, shows up independently, uh, God's mailman, so to say, not to belittle his role at all. I'm sure I would fall to the ground as dead also. Um, Probably FedEx yeah. driver more reliable, <laughs> but but it was Sorry, time, mailman. <laughs> yep, it was it was an appointed yeah. time. Right? Bible talks so much about God has appointed times for things, and this was an appointed uh -huh. time, and these were appointed people that God was going to now yeah. come into the world and put on humanity and be like us for a little while. Crazy cool. Yes. So then, you know, um, there's more than this happening. Um, then there's these guys uh, who are out in the field. So these are the, this is the night shift of the, one of the lowliest parts of society. Not the, not the, I mean, three Kings might come later, but 
but right now we want some witnesses who understand the culture, but are numerous because witnesses plural. So this, uh, angel shows up with, uh, heavenly hosts <laughs> and he and he says to the shepherds do not be afraid for behold i bring you good tidings of great joy everybody's seen charlie brown but yep. this is a biblical yep. thing charlie brown is saying good news good tidings great joy do not be afraid why shepherds yep i mean fantastic question um and some of it's you know, a little bit of it's speculation, um, but I think it's it's worthy speculation. Um, one, they were able to receive a message. They weren't too busy with their lives to be interrupted, right? That's interesting enough. But Jesus came, and what John the Baptist would say later on when Jesus was coming near him at the river was, behold, right, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so I do believe that God was already introducing himself as the Lamb of God. He was using shepherds to begin that story from the very, very moment it was set in motion. Um, and then I, I said, it was an angel. And then it says, suddenly there appeared the heavenly host. I mean, yeah. talk about a firework show. For, forget the 4th of July for a moment. That had to be absolutely <laughs> life-changing. Um yeah. Enough so. And there's no city lights him. that are dimming. There's no city lights that are dimming the effect. No. They're getting the full Monty deal. Yep. And that's what they're talking yeah. about when they finally find Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus. Mm -hmm. it, they're intrigued by the baby, but their story is actually, we've got to tell you what just happened. And they recount the <laughs> angels and the hosts and all of this stuff. They were just... I mean, and then, and then they left still overjoyed. So excited about the angels, excited about the message. Then they find out the angels are telling the truth. There is the baby here. And then they they leave rejoicing and telling everyone they seem to come in contact with. And, and after that, we don't know much about them, but I'm sure their grandkids heard that story every year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So then um, after that, uh, it, and, and this is, it, again, it's historical fact when, when, so sometimes they call them three kings. Sometimes they call them magi. Sometimes they call them wise men. But okay, let's just settle it down. Three rich dudes travel cross country from yep. somewhere far, far away. And they bring baby gifts. And the baby gifts are gold and frankincense and myrrh. Now, um. I've I've been to some baby showers. I'm not afraid to admit it, but I never bought any gold. I never bought any frankincense and I never bought any myrrh. And yeah. so let's break it down. Incense is like just incense. What why? I mean, yes and no, right? The 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 frankincense specifically um was used for a lot of different things, but these three uh -huh. gifts that were presented were all representative of something. And I think these magi or these wise men, they knew what they were doing. Uh, they weren't just randomly walking yeah. by. And so I want to break these things down. The gold, I mean, you, gold is what you present to royalty. Right? You, the, well, there's okay. a peasant. Here's a peasant having a baby in a stable or a barn. <laughs> what is happening? Well, um, 
God had foreordained, and as we've been talking about this, uh, Bethlehem wasn't an accident, right? All of this stuff was so, so, so pinpoint perfect. But here they are bringing yeah. gifts of royalty. Uh, the myrrh it would have been a strange thing. And I love if you go reread it, everyone else is excited about what's going on. It says that Mary watched and she pondered these things in her heart. She was a young girl. Yeah. Uh, she wasn't a rich girl, but my, she was a wise girl. And she, because exactly. right, the, the myrrh was something that was used in embalming someone after they had died and preparation like for burial. like a burial. burial. Oh, yep. Preparation yeah. for burial. And it's like, why is my kid? So not really getting... an appropriate baby gift, right? <laughs> Wouldn't think so. Wouldn't think so. <laughs> And incense, that's what the priests in those days used. They went, they approached the, they, they, like, they, they're like, did a good smell. Yep. So God would be. Yeah. And you even look in the book of Revelation, it says that our prayers rise like incense. It is a sweet smelling aroma to the Lord. And so the incense symbolic of, man, he is the Lord. He's the one that we worship. He is of, of, again, the gold's royalty incense is divinity. And then myrrh exactly. is that sacrifice he would later be. So you mentioned Bethlehem, and I, I gotta like like dial this back a minute because uh, as I as I read that, I mean I've been to Bethlehem, and I can tell you firsthand uh, it's not very impressive. <laughs> it's it's this is this is not a place where you go gee i need to go to bethlehem to see the city and to live out the there's not there, there's not much there it's no. why bethlehem i i mean and god knows the full answer to that however if you go back in the old testament anyone technically could have shown up and said hey i'm god and i'm the savior of the world worship me but the Lord, knowing our humanity and sin nature, he set up a, a litmus test that was out of your control, right? And part of that litmus test to prove you really were the Messiah, that you really were the Savior who had come, you had to meet certain qualifications. One of them would be the city you were born in, prophesied about hundreds of years in advance. And I don't know about you, but I didn't get a pick where I was born. <laughs> that was... And no. <laughs> uh, no, no one does, right? That's the comical part. And God being God, yeah. um, there, there's a lot of neat shepherdy types of things. However, God being God, it would have been easy to say Jerusalem, right? The population's dense, a lot of people. Like for you and I, born in New York City. Like, okay, there's a higher probability yeah. of being born in New York City than in <laughs> Middleton, Idaho. <laughs> like that's... And yet God picks this tiny little nothing town. And the probability of being born there is one in a hundred million, billion, trillion. Who, who knows what the real probability is? But crazy. foretold in advance. And then what happens? Oh, there's a census that happens to be called while Mary happens to be pregnant. She happens to be a virgin, which was another part of the litmus test and foretold prophecies. And what I think I've been thinking about a lot this Christmas season is, well, that's crazy. How, how did they even know if she was a virgin and all these things? Luke, who wrote about this, was a physician. I mean, he put his whole reputation on the line to write about this. He yeah. was a doctor. <laughs> this guy, 
and he's validating she really, really was a miraculous, God-ordained testimony that what was about to take place was of the Lord. Yeah. And and if you look at the trip they made to Bethlehem, it's not like they said, hey, I'm going to go to Bethlehem so I can have a baby there. Like <laughs> The body politic said, oh, you're going. You are going at this time to Bethlehem, whether yep. you're pregnant or not. Yeah. Go return to the city of David, Joseph. So then, I mean, these folks are travelers. Uh, wait a minute. He's a carpenter. He's not a traveler, but the baby's born. And, and then, and then, uh, they make this short trip. Wait, it's not a short trip. They go to Egypt. So Herod, King Herod, I mean, not again, historical fact. He says, Hey, whack all the babies, whack all the little ones. I don't want to compete with a King. There was a King born. I know the King born. This is written in, in, uh, all the annals that, hey, these kids were got killed. And, and, uh, but Joseph went to Egypt. He walked 450 miles. He, yep. no, and what's, <laughs> with what's a new so baby and this. a new wife. If, if people haven't studied any kind of Bible prophecy, look, end time stuff is very fun and neat and exciting. But if you've never studied Bible prophecy, please take an hour of your life at some point and just the prophecies about the birth of Christ. Because before he shows up, yeah. you would have been scratching your head, right? A virgin, Bethlehem. But then there's another prophecy that the Savior will come out of Egypt. Well, how are you born in Bethlehem but come out of Egypt? That That's not possible. And then... You see, it's possible. Oh, it's exactly possible because God is the one doing this. And I love what you pointed out. Whether the Bible validates history or the history validates the Bible, either way, they get along so perfectly. No other religion on planet Earth has the factual backing that Christianity and the Word of God has. And uh, yeah, whether whether you just look Great. at the biblical account and then you go look at secular historians of that time, something was happening. Herod absolutely mandated the murder and execution of any boys, male children, two years old and down, because those magi came through and said, oh, we're here to worship the king of the Jews. And he got enraged and probably also fearful, which is interesting. If he was fearful, it meant he actually believed it kind of crazy yeah exactly um, <laughs> so again another angelic moment now this is probably a, roughly two years after the birth of christ so he's a toddler he's cruising around this baby jesus but mary and joseph being warned they flee to egypt right before the execution and the genocide happens um, and they hide out until it's time to come back yeah so have you ever walked 450 miles <laughs> No, I mean, I'm sure in my lifetime, if you add it up, but oh my, no, sir. <laughs> okay, so you got a toddler and you got a new, can you imagine going to your new wife and say, hey, hon, we're going to go on a little trip and uh, put some good shoes on because we're walking <laughs> in the desert 450 miles to a place that's even more deserty than the desert we're in now. Yep. It would not go well. I just know it would not go well. <laughs> 
so then no. they're in they're in Egypt, and all of a sudden, Herod's dead. It's like, and he turns to his wife and he says, "Hey, we got to go home. Um, so let's go back home to Bethlehem." No, 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 no. They're going back to Nazareth. Now, there's another piece of prophecy in there that says that the Savior is going to hail from Nazareth. Nazareth. Yep. How does that work? I mean, outside, someone had to know in advance, right? There's no way that any human mind could have come up with all of this stuff. And what's so fantastic about the Bible is it's not one book. It looks like one book. It has one cover. But it's 66 different books, right? 40 plus authors. And they lived over a span of like 1,500 years. There, there was no colluding here. There was no insightful intellect coming up with a story. It was yeah. impossible to falsify any of this. And yeah. Uh, yeah, here you have little Jesus and his family coming into the very town that prophecy foretold of it's crazy and then when you <clears throat> when you wrap this all up in a bow and you take it uh so they've made the 450 miles back and now we've uh, jumped ahead and i mean if you go into the 1700s 1800s 1900s and you talk about the top 10 uh christmas carols of all time <laughs> now we're moving into a little bit more contemporary time, especially in the 17, 1800s. These are pretty dark, uh, part dark days, but they Holy really Night, were. Silent Night, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, O Come All Ye Faithful, O Little Town of Bethlehem, It Came Upon a Midnight Clear, Joy to the World, Away in a Manger. Yep. So people have been talking about this and singing about this and celebrating this now for lo these more than 2000 years. Yep. Um, just about as we arrive at this point in our own history, David, pastor David, um, why is it critical in America today that we celebrate Christmas? Uh, you know, it's it's uh, healthy to look back upon your, your nation's foundings. And America, believe it or not, as you said, the 17 and 1800s, I think it was like 1830s maybe, were the ones, and this isn't, I don't want this to be true. It just is true, and I, I like that it's true. <laughs> but America, right after the revolution and, and casting off England, we cast off all of our traditions and holidays, and we kind of had a blank calendar. And one of the first holidays that we really chose to celebrate and fix on our calendar as Americans was this thing called Christmas. Now, it had been instituted long, long, long before, but it had a weird, dark, twisted past. Um, just things in Germany and England and the Puritans came along and did some pretty intense things. But you have in the early yeah. 1800s, America saying we're going back and we're establishing Christmas and it's going to be about Christ. And that actually reshaped Christmas around the world uh, to what you and I. Uh -huh. Now, that's fun. We are we are absolutely. You, now, you may be able to argue we're quickly becoming a non-Christian nation now. 
But you cannot argue that we were a Christian nation at its founding. There's no doubt. And who's to say, by the way, maybe it's just a valley. Who's to say we don't become a Christian nation again? It doesn't mean it's over. Yeah. But all of that's secondary because no matter what country you live in, Christmas, it's in the name, Christmas, right? It's about the savior of the world. And Christmas brings up a lot of different emotions for people. Christmas brings up a lot of different experiences for people. Some had a fantastic childhood and it's just nothing but sweet memories and exciting experiences. Others uh, maybe rather traumatic or impoverished and it's a hard time of year. But no matter what, the Bible brings us all together around one name, and that is the name of Jesus or Christ, the Savior, Christmas. And without him, there is no hope, not for the rich or the poor. Uh, And so Christmas, anyone listening, you've got to know, if you're celebrating a Christless Christmas, it's honestly kind of weird, a little bit awkward. It's like going to a birthday party, but not caring about the person that's having the birthday. Why are you there? What are you doing? Um, And so Christmas is absolutely the celebration of all this. Yeah. In our culture today, um, as you look around the body politic and the body uh, economy and the world scene and a lot of the division that's happened not only uh, outside of our country, but specifically inside of our country. It seems to me that um, in many ways, people have lost hope. Uh, Surveys indicate that people don't think their kids are going to be better off than they were. People are worried about the job and, you know, houses are more difficult to get. And the news on the economy is, uh, I mean... I mean, it's always not good all the time. And people yep. in that I talk to just on a daily basis are losing hope. Now, that is true, except for one segment of the population. And those are the people who are maybe celebrating Christmas, but they're, but they're focusing on Easter. That's why Christmas <laughs> is critical, because... It was the birth of Easter too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Very few people, right? Mary saw those three gifts show up. She maybe had a clue. A few people, John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Well, that's a statement that can only mean sacrifice and forgiveness through sacrifice. So there there are a few (laughs) who got it, but most didn't. But as we yeah. yeah approach Christmas, uh, Christmas was great. But if Easter never happened, it would have been not as relevant as Pointless. it currently is. And so Christ eventually, right, paying that ultimate price, as think something I've never thought about this before. But Bible says that in in Jesus in Christ we have been reconciled to God. Reconciliation is something I, I cannot be honestly, I maybe didn't think about enough. I've appreciated, but not valued. And just the other day I was driving into the office thinking about this. Reconciliation means to be made right in a relationship as if no wrong had ever been done. 
Now, forgiveness, wow. right? There's, we've all walked through this. You can forgive somebody, but to experience reconciliation on a human level is almost impossible. You can forgive them. You can try not to hold them at arm's length. You can, you can try not to put up boundaries and barriers. You can try to treat them as if that never happened, but your mind knows it did. And so true reconciliation is almost impossible on the human level. But when God sees somebody who's put their faith in Christ, he says that we are reconciled. God never holds us at arm's length. He doesn't see us for what we did. He has no, no judgment at all. It's perfect and all done because of who Jesus is. He's God in the flesh that he came as he said he would on that first Christmas and did what his mission was, was to die on the cross and then break free from the grave. Yeah, for sure. And folks, I want you to know that there is hope available. And, mm -hmm. uh, and that's my point about Christmas being critical. I want everybody out there um, who's got struggles and everybody's got a story. Everybody's got struggles. And if you're having Christmas struggles or if you're looking for hope, um, I have some places where you can get it. The first place, um, go on the Grampian and shoot me an email. You need help, man. I'm there for you. Uh, also, there's calvarychapelstar.org. There's people there that I don't care where you are in the U.S. I, I don't know if we know how to call it internationally yet. We're not that sophisticated. But um, if you need help, um, if you need hope, we got folks that uh, would love, including me and David, I'm sure, who are ready, willing, and able to talk to you. The, the Christmas story is one of great hope. The, uh, the culmination of Christmas at Easter is a story of an even greater hope. And during this Christmas season, I encourage you, it's Calvary, Calvary, C-A-L-V-A-R-Y, Chapel, C-H-A-P-E-L, star, S-D-A-R, which is kind of cool for... Uh, uh, and uh and uh or go to the grampian t-h-e-g-r-a-m-p-i-o-n the grampian.com and we'd be happy to to chat with you about the reason for the hope that we have within us so david the contractor i would like to thank you for <laughs> coming on the grampian and sharing i'd like to for starters say Dude, you've got more wisdom than most people I've ever met that are 41 years old. And uh, and I will follow you uh, wherever you lead, man. You're you're a gifted leader. I treasure you. I, I recognize your need for caffeine and you married over your, over your pay grade with your wife. But I treasure you as a leader. And uh, you're welcome on the podcast or in my living room anytime. And uh, thank you for coming on. Deeply appreciate that. Yep. Looking forward to all that's coming in 2024 for sure. But. All right on. And we also, uh, if you're needing a home church and you're around the Treasure Valley, um, uh, for starters, go to a Bible-believing church. I mean, go to a Bible-preaching church. And if you're looking for one and you need one, um, we meet at Meridian Gem. Gem. Okay. Help me out, David. Yeah. Yep. So we're, we're currently uh, leasing out a school on Sundays. It's Jim Prep North. So it's a charter school. They've got a few of Gym them. Jim Prep North. Jim Prep North. Uh, Lord willing, right? A year from now, we'll be in a slightly different place, but that's where we're at for now. 
And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just yeah. to reiterate what you're saying, Jim, I, I've been down a dark, dark road. I, I was not a believer and follower of Christ until I was just about 20. And uh, I, I know the bottom of the barrel and anyone losing hope. Look, I've, I've, I've been there in ways I can't share today, um, but would love to walk with you through that. If you need help, look us up, give us a call and we'll figure it out. God's God's got it. Yeah. He sure does. And we want also to tell you Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays is not for us. (laughs) Very Merry Christmas to one and all. Thanks, David, for coming on. And we will see you on Sunday. Awesome. Yeah. God bless you. All right, guys. Have a great day. And this is the Grampian. Have a Merry Christmas. I am out. When you get an opportunity, subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast.